Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself celebrate our 50th episode with taking questions from our listeners. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the pumpkin spice edition of Being <laughs> oh, Lutheran no. podcast. Yeah, it's the pump pumpkin spice edition because everyone's going to be disappointed with it and it doesn't even need to exist. I think I think it should be called the pineapple pizza. No, oh. that's, that's, that's we that's don't worse. do heresy and we don't do <laughs> abominations. On My this family podcast. is heretics then because yeah, well, we like it. There's absolution for you too. Yeah. But, yeah. So we're we're at our fiftieth episode. Fifty this episodes. Number fifty. Two episodes away from a full year of being Lutheran wow. content. Uh, we assume. That people listen to this on a regular basis. I think, <laughs> Brett and I, you've talked about this because I can't get the analytics for the website to yeah. work right. If anybody I, has knowledge of how to yeah. do that. Um, and we've leaned on Ben and Dahl yeah. too much for free support. I don't, mm-hmm. the man's talented and, and uh, has a real job. But uh, I suspect we have a listenership of somewhere around 50. <laughs> Although I don't know, we have, you know, our so one listener per episode. Yeah, we yeah. have, you know, basically we drive one away, someone else new finds us and is like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> um, we have our friends, our personal friends yeah. we know listen, <clears throat> members of our congregations. I don't have any friends. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, maybe it's because you like pineapple on Feel pizza. Lo- there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, first thing we ought to say here is thank you. Yeah. Uh, to people who are listening, um, you know, it's nice to know that what we're doing uh, is benefiting people and is a blessing to people. It's humbling. The interactions that I have, I have a lot of people I enjoy interacting with on Twitter now that I never would have come across uh, if they hadn't found our podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cough, Brian, just so you know. <clears throat> Didn't some water. All right. Uh, some water. No, I'm good. It just phlegm. Um, but anyway, you know, it's... This has it's opened up a lot of doors for for discussions and conversations and, and relationships that we normally won't have. And as an introvert, that's a nice thing to just have randomly happen because I'm not going to seek it out. Um, so thank you for that. So for 50, it just so happened that our 50th episode is right in between topics. So we mm-hmm. decided to to just burn one, uh, and we're going to do a Q and A period. Yes. And then on the other side of this, next time we get together for recording, we're going to take up the Apostles' Creed, which is next in the order of the catechisms, and I'm tremendously awesome. looking forward to that. Excited so the first that. question is, how about those twins, right? Uh, awesome. Uh, uh, yes. We made the playoffs this year. Way to go. Uh, yeah. How about White Sox fan, <laughs> Brett Bow? How's that going for you? Uh, well, you just wait a couple of years. Well, you know, and at the time of this perennial. recording... Uh, we will, I mean, by the time people listen to this, I think there will be a World Series champion mm-hmm. already uh, crowned. Hopefully and we can only, yeah, we can only hope and pray that the Astros and the Dodgers do their job in, in ridding the world of uh, the insufferable Cubs and, and Yankees, Yankees fans. Yeah. Uh, the gloating for one more year. Right. Uh, you know, I, a Dodgers Astros World Series is best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've joked about how some of our friends have said you guys should 
throw in some baseball talk in your podcast. Yeah. Well, I, normally, I try to stay away from sports talk yeah. a lot. I have a lot of friends who don't like sports, and I, yep. I appreciate them as well. Like I said, this is episode 50. It's the throwaway episode. Right. You can skip this episode entirely, and you won't <laughs> miss a thing. And this episode is brought to you by Vocation. Yeah, you vocation. have to get that out of the way. All this right. is, this is the vocation of bad pastor humor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in sports fan and all of that wrapped up into one. So I, at the beginning of the day, this is our fourth recording session of the day that we're doing. I threw out a thread on Facebook and on Twitter asking for possible yep. themes or questions. So we're going to do a question and answer almost live. Uh, that'll be posted a month after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some fun questions. We've had some more serious questions. So we're going to work our way uh, down the spectrum from from levity to sure. seriousness. Well, we're starting with levity, uh, and (laughs) I guess segueing from baseball talk, would Martin Luther be for or against a designated hitter? That's what uh, Aaron Dorman asked. My friend Aaron Dorman from a fantasy baseball league. I don't even think Aaron listens, but I'll tell him uh, Uh, we we address this. Uh, Would Martin Luther be a fan of the DH? And And then a few others asked. Also, instant replay and automatic strike zone. Instant replay. And the best thing about this question is it's tremendously easy to get dead guys to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the easiest <laughs> things in the world. So, uh, so we could tie in vocation here. Yeah. Right? Well, this is a, this is where my answer. But, yeah. Luther, as me, as a, as a as a baseball fan, Luther would be unequivocally and wholly opposed to the designated no. hitter. The designated hitter is. <laughs> Awful. It is a plague on no. baseball. It is giving people who would otherwise be bad at baseball one last chance to do one so part of I'm baseball. I'm playing mediator here because I don't even watch baseball. <laughs> and both of you are opposed in this idea. Brett, why do you think the designated hitter uh, yes. is a good idea? Well, here, I'll So I'll fat try guys to, can keep playing baseball I'll three try to more make years. a theological. <laughs> Please don't. So the, the designated hitter is serving his neighbor, the pitcher, by batting for him. No. Vocation. Come no. on. Uh, no. Come on. No, it's in the same way the potato chip manufacturer is serving me by not making me get off I, the I would much rather watch a DH than... Uh, are you, what I, are you talking about? You can't tell me that Madison Bumgarner isn't fun to watch hit. Or, on the exact opposite so of the spectrum, isn't it awesome to watch Bartolo Colon bat? Yeah. The other, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. The other night, watching you Darvish get walked on four pitches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, was, that was funny, but I'd rather have a real hitter. Guess what? Every other player that plays yeah. the field has to bat. Every other one. Every single one. And I really, you know, I say this as an American League Twins fan, you know, <laughs> although Cardinals are my National League team. Yep. Uh, I really appreciate late game strategy in the National League. I appreciate, like, you have your pitcher coming up. Say so your pitcher's at 78, 79 pitches. You know, 100 pitches is kind of the threshold. Do you leave your pitcher in to bat with runners on base or do you pinch hit for them and have relief pitchers for the rest of the game? I love that. You don't have to do that in the American League. It's dumb. It's boring baseball. Well, well, we'll just, yeah. uh, move on from there. <laughs> That's the word of Luther. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to make a compelling theological argument for that. Yeah, it's yeah. not vocation okay. is serving your neighbor and being active in it, and the DH is not active. What about the automatic yeah. strike zone? I'm all for an automatic strike zone. No, you got to have for, the human element. Uh, yeah. you, you, the human element until the, pitch, the umpire calls a pitch that's a ball or a foot inside a strike, uh, and, it, and it ruins the day. I'm all for automatic strike zones. Okay. I'm, I'm all for an automated strike zone. Uh, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm totally for instant replay 
making difficult things, but when that Nationals catcher Jose Lobatone was picked off and ended the national season basically with that rally, that's not the right use of instant replay. If if a if a batter for a millisecond, if a runner for a millisecond comes off the base uh, and is called out on instant replay, that's not the intention of the rule at all. Yeah. Mm. It, will you think they'll do what the NFL did where they'll have a little bit different rules for playoffs versus the regular season? Mm. I think that's always appropriate too, but you know, this is one of the things. I'm I'm an extreme baseball fan. Baseball's my hobby. Baseball's my release. Yep. Uh, and baseball's falling all over itself to try to find ways to make the game faster. And in almost all of the ways have nothing to do with the commercial enterprise of the league, but fundamentally changing the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I like the way baseball is played. It's relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's George Will, who's a columnist, yeah. uh, Good stuff. said, uh, baseball's the only game you can have a conversation during. Hmm. Something happens, you turn to the person sitting next to you and you talk about it, and then something happens, and you do it over. Baseball's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless you're watching the Green Bay Packers. Oh, oh boy, now you're doing football. What are yeah. we going to do? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, all Sorry, apologies Samuel. to Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and his broken collarbone. I love the crying Jordan meme with yeah. the, the with eyes the, of crying Jordan over the collarbone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but to answer the question oh. from Aaron and Peter and Sam, Luther would be opposed to the DH. No, he would no, be no. for the automated strike zone, and he would be middling on instant replay. That we can I say that for on sure. All those things. <laughs> well, That's interesting. I forgive you. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and, yeah. Well, maybe we should move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, we got this our is baseball already talk. A, this is already a disaster yeah. of an episode. <laughs> all right. So, getting into a little. More serious question here. Keith Grindy, is that how you pronounce yeah, his name? I last think name? it's Grindy. Keith Grindy I don't or know. Grind? I'm sorry, Keith. Keith from Bloomington. There you go. Yeah. Is he maybe from Bloomington? Like John he, from Nebraska is maybe from Nebraska. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, John John in Nebraska from the UP. There you go. That's who it, But this is Keith from Bloomington, as okay. far as I know. Keith writes, um, how about the Lutheran's view of the Apocrypha? Or the Lutheran view of end times understanding. Oh, good. Nice, yeah. easy softball question. There you go. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Brian, you had the great quote on the Lutheran view of the Apocrypha uh, that we were talking about off air. Yeah, I wish I knew exactly where I found it, but I think uh, it, it was definitely in Luther's works, and it was definitely uh, in speaking about the Apocrypha, and he said it was... Uh, profitable, but not authoritative. Yeah, I think that's the best way to approach it. I mean, we would absolutely reject it where it contradicts or disagrees with Scripture, and at times it does. Uh, but I think um, there are historic aspects of the Apocrypha that can be beneficial for us understanding, especially mm-hmm. the intertestamental period. And I know mm-hmm. there's another question in there about that, but yeah. um, the the history of the Maccabees is particularly useful. Um, mm-hmm. I know Luther interacted a lot with the Wisdom of Solomon, which is kind of like the sequel to the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Or no, That would be Ecclesiasticus. Same thing, I think. I can't remember. Um, but there's actually a handy resource. CPH has the mm-hmm. Lutheran Study Bible edition of the Apocrypha with study notes. I recommend picking that up. That's a helpful thing. I've dived into that a couple times. Sure. Um, it's useful. Yeah. Is it similar to reading like a really good Christian book, would you guys say? I guess I've never really interacted I, with the Apocrypha. Well, it has a more unique pre- perspective because by and large, all the Apocryphal books are coming from the time period of Scripture. Oh, sure. You know, this isn't, this isn't like reading modern commentary on Scripture. It's not reading a book by even Walther or, you know, the, the some of the good... I mean, there's a lot of good Lutheran writing coming out right now. Uh, but you, you have some historical precedents. You have some insight 
into um, different genres. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a book called Bell and the Dragon that has some pretty interesting things to say. Uh, but yeah, Luther wasn't afraid to interact with it, but it, it's not authoritative in the way that Scripture is authoritative. It's mm-hmm. not normative for faith. Hmm. Cool. All right, how, how about end times? All right. Should we get into yeah, that? Let's, a little, uh, let's burn it all to the ground now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we just uh, take the easy way out and say, uh, us Lutherans, we are pan-millennialists. No, it will no, all no, pan no. out in the end. Pan-millennialism is, a, is an excuse to not think critically about mm-hmm. eschatology. Sure. Uh, and I don't have any patience for that. Sorry. Um, in the AFLC, and reminding uh, especially our listeners who are Missouri Synod people or mm-hmm. other denominations in the AFLC, uh, eschatology is an open question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an open question from the perspective of the millennium. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have premillennialists in the AFLC, and we have millennialists. Uh, I will speak for myself here is that I am an ardent and strict millennialist, and it's because I teach uh, I've taught eschatology at the schools. I've taught it in my church. We're in my youth group. We're currently going through the book of Revelation. The whole purpose of end times prophecy in scripture is to do whatever else scripture is doing, and that's to present us Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It is my estimation, my opinion, and my personal interpretation of scripture that the amillennial interpretation of the end times does the best of presenting Jesus Christ as the focus of scripture. I, I think it's much easier in the premillennial understanding of scripture to get distracted by things that aren't Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I, I would be able to argue that Luther uh, was an amillennial, had an amillennial understanding of sure. scripture. Luther viewed the Pope as the antichrist, things like that. Luther was also a product of his times. Uh, the most consistent understanding of historic Lutheran mm-hmm. end times is that most Lutherans have traditionally been amillennialists. Mm-hmm. It's been the, the vast majority. Um, Missouri Synod, uh, Wells are officially amillennial in their mm-hmm. understanding of scripture. Yeah. Uh, the Lutheran Brethren is officially, but not in practice, premillennial. Mm-hmm. And in the AFLC, it's open question. Open I don't know question. where the AALC sure. stands at all. I know we have a few AALC listeners, so maybe they can respond when they hear this episode to that. Um, but that's where we stand on it. And the reason why I am all millennial is because it always puts the focus on Jesus Christ as the center of prophecy and as the focus of prophecy. And I think that's for benefit and comfort. Hmm. Interesting. Good answer. Yeah. All right. I've done a lot of thinking about eschatology. So. Hmm. <laughs> All right, next question. How about Jonah from your professor? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do a lot of name dropping here. So we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like all the way back in episode one, I uh, am halfway through my doctor of ministry uh, degree at Concordia in St. Louis. And the professor that I've had the most uh, is Professor Reed Lessing. Uh, For those of you that have the Concordia Commentary series, he's written the commentary, both the Isaiah commentaries that have been released, Amos uh, and Jonah. And I think in class he said he's working on either Zephaniah or Zechariah right now. Uh, He's fantastic, one of the favorite profs I've ever had. And he jumped onto my Facebook and said, you guys need to talk about Jonah because right now the class that I'm taking online is on Jonah. So we're going to talk about Jonah. Jonah's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Jonah is the only, and I'm taking this right from class, Professor Lessing, Jonah is the only prophet of the Old Testament that Jesus specifically uh, identifies himself with. Oh, sure. 
So he connects mm-hmm. himself to the prophet Jonah. That's a good insight for today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, my favorite part so far that we've covered in Jonah is the death and resurrection motif mm-hmm. in Jonah. Uh, in Jonah chapter 1, uh, there is repeated use of a Hebrew verb for going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jonah goes down to, the, to Joppa from Jerusalem, presumably, and then he goes down to the ship, mm-hmm. and then he goes down to the depths of the ship, and then he's thrown overboard, and he literally goes down to the depths of Sheol, we see in the psalm that he prays, and then God raises him up. And so there's, there's tremendous baptismal imagery in the book of Jonah, and, and in the baptismal imagery, we have death and resurrection. And that's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is, it's absolutely fascinating to unpack that and to look at that. So cool. uh, that's what we've been doing in Jonah. We're just about uh, in, in the class that I will be taking tomorrow, which will be four weeks away from when this episode's posting, we're going to start talking about Jonah 3 and Jonah actually preaching the message to the Ninevites. I'm really looking forward to that. His commentary on Amos has a wonderful excursus about the land. Yeah. Uh, and that is wonderful, and it is beautifully amillennial, mm-hmm. <laughs> which ties into yeah. our last question. But it answers a lot of questions that premillennialists, uh, I believe, I'm amillennial as well, as you're about to find out, I think <laughs> are mistaken <laughs> in. Um, and so that excursus is beautiful from the book of Amos. And it's funny, Professor Lessing will say that Jonah is his wheelhouse. Jonah is his favorite topic. Jonah, I love the Jonah commentary, but the stuff he did on Amos is, Amos is uh, after Daniel, which was written by another author. Amos is my favorite commentary in the whole series. I think the Daniel one's fantastic. Amos also mm-hmm. is fantastic. It'd be like 1A and 1B for me hmm. on either one of those. The, the Daniel one really helped clarify some misunderstandings I had with Daniel. And uh, I don't even think, you know, we were all in seminary together. I don't yeah. think we had a class on Amos. Uh, it was probably like in Minor in, Prophets, yeah, and we just kind of sneezed at it for yeah. a day. Uh, but uh, for for the work that Dr. Lessing did in Amos, which is almost entirely law, that entire book is bad news except yeah, for two or right. three verses. Mm-hmm. I'm deeply, deeply appreciative to the work that Dr. Lessing did on that and helped clarify uh, and, and really especially helped capture the gospel for the downtrodden, which is what yeah. Amos is. The, yeah. It's the gospel for the oppressed. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, it was it was very helpful. I highly recommend the entire series. I, that one. I love Jonah's, what I would call, imprecatory prayer at the end in chapter four, where he, yeah. he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is this not what I said uh, when I was gracious. yet in my country? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, because I knew that you were gracious God and merciful, mm-hmm. slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Yeah. Well, and, and how often is it our own attitude uh, as Christians to be disgusted when vile sinners uh, come to faith in Christ. Oh, we're all Jonah. That, oh, that they didn't yeah, receive their right. recompense or pay yeah. their dues. I mean, mm-hmm. when the when the tattooed, mohawked, uh, you know, whatever uh, comes to faith in Christ, we're like, well, you probably have some penance to do before we'll really mm-hmm. recognize you as a Christian. But yeah. that's not the case at all. No. Hmm. Well, do we have one last question yeah, for our listeners? Before, um, I, I will choose... Only one of what the Alphabet student asked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. The second half of that question is awesome. Uh, 
Maybe Megan, we could Megan just from read Fargo. It. Megan leave it from there. Fargo. We could be like Jonah. We could actually yeah. leave this whole thing <laughs> yeah, with a question. Wide open. We'll, we could we'll answer. The they just answer stop, for themselves. Just yeah. Stop the recording as uh, yeah. we continue. Be, you wonder what we really bonus said about content it. that we won't have available anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she asked uh, Megan from Fargo. You said Megan from Fargo. Uh, the Bible from schoolers. From Oxbow. Yes, Bible schoolers would like you to explain the unforgivable sin. Oh, boy, yeah, this is another lightweight topic that I can do in 90 seconds. My goodness. Uh, (laughs) The unforgivable sin is the sin against the Holy Spirit. The reason why it is unforgivable is because when we push away the Holy Spirit, we will not be led to repentance. It is not unforgivable because it is so grotesque. God said you did that. Nope. That's not why it's unforgivable, because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to repentance. The One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit uh, is to convict us of sin. You remember in John 15 or 16, the threefold work of the Holy Spirit is to convince the world of judgment, mm-hmm. of uh, no, uh, to convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's why the early creed writers called him the Lord and giver of life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit... Uh, is the one who brings us to conviction of sin and repentance and the one who grants us faith. And if we uh, push him away, if we uh, quench the spirit, if we uh, harden our hearts, whatever the case might be, because repentance doesn't come from within us, because it's not something we muster up in ourselves, we have committed an unforgivable sin mm-hmm. because it won't be forgiven. Not because it can't be forgiven, mm-hmm. but because it won't be without faith. Yeah, I think and, that's good, that yeah. can't versus won't. Yeah, yeah. and interweaved in there is, of course, rejection of Christ. No. You know, because and, in, in, in sinning against the Holy Spirit is the rejection of the salvation that Christ had come to provide and the yep. work and ministry of the Holy Spirit because of that. It's the danger of blasphemy. It's attributing yeah. to sin to God or or taking credit for something God has done. And, and it's it's a good thing. The church has said this for, for decades and, and centuries now. For young Christians or Christians who never thought about the unforgivable sin, uh, if you are worried... Mm-hmm that you have committed the unforgivable sin, that in itself is a sign that you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. So you have nothing to worry about. Amen. That's right. Confess your sins, repent, and be forgiven. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Absolutely. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bingo. Well, maybe that's a good place to end this silly session of an episode. Yeah, silly session. We beg your forgiveness for, <laughs> and we thank you for your faithfulness in listening. I'd like to close by just reading the wonderful benediction from Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself begin a new series. God bless you, and have a great week.